0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. All right, and welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. You know the drill you want to get a hold of me easy right here on instagram live just do what you're doing wave to me and i will wave you back bring me your questions love your questions and um here on pet life radio either give us a call the old-fashioned way 877-385-8882 once again 877-385-8882 or better yet if you're here you're here that means you're already on and you're watching us then you can um, get your pet on your lap and um go ahead and start asking away and while I look to the side here, I am waving and hoping that we get some questions, good questions. Lots to talk about, as always. I'm never, never at a loss for words. <laughs> that's that's one thing I can promise you. So, uh, and anyway, I hope you had a good week. And uh, here gorgeous day in LA today. Uh, actually, magnificent. I am actually heading to the Rams game today. <laughs> they, they're, they're not very promising, but <laughs> at least yeah, I have the tickets. I may as well I may as well use them. Right, and uh, I, sometimes I go more for the, the you know the pregame activities of tailgating than I do for the actual game. But um, last game I was there a couple weeks ago. They pulled out a winner at the very end, so that was pretty cool. All right, so hope everyone is doing well, enjoying our beautiful weather here in Los Angeles. It's going to be beautiful and sunny today, and. I want some questions. So uh, in the meantime, obviously, it's on the top of so many people, including mine, mine, and that is, what is going on with this respiratory virus? What do we know about it? And uh, the the sad truth is, we really don't know a lot about it. We don't even know if it's a bacterial infection or a viral infection or a mycoplasma infection. Even the experts don't even know. You know, we're hearing on the one side from the Veteran Diagnostic Lab at the University of New Hampshire that um, it is a, they feel it's a bacterium. And they've never seen it before, don't know what it is, and they're having a tough time growing it. Usually when you have bacteria, you can grow it on what's called an auger plate or some sort of vehicle where the bacteria actually can multiply and multiply. Then what they do is they can test the bacteria with these little antibiotic discs and discs for almost every antibiotic you have in, 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 there, there is available. And they look and see an area around the disc, how much of it is now dying the bacteria. The more and the faster they die, the better that antibiotic is for that particular bug. Well, they have not been able to even grow it yet. And because the antibiotics seem to be relatively ineffective, except this one called clarimphenicol, we'll talk about that in a minute, that they think maybe it's a virus. So you know, again, we're we're seeing a lot of opinions. A lot of vet schools now are chiming in. My good friend Mike Lapid from Colorado State is chiming in. He's seen an uptick in cases of respiratory infections. But he made a very interesting point because of all the news that we may be seeing more animals being brought in and thus reported than we did when they just thought it was a cold or a little cough we never ran we don't run to a doctor every time we get a little cold so why would that why would why would you and especially if it was um a mild cough, maybe the dog was at the dog park, and they don't think twice about it. So they're up to date on their Bordetella vaccine already, their influenza vaccine, give it a few days. Now with this new bug, oh, of course, they're going right in. So that is one of the concerns. And secondly, what this Scott Weiss, another veterinarian in Canada, talks about just more of an awareness. The reason why we're seeing more cases, there's more of an awareness of it. Interestingly, Trepanion, one of the big pet insurance companies, has been reporting more and more claims for respiratory infections. So we do know that it's there. Some of the experts are saying, don't run and rush to start antibiotics. First of all, it may be viral. And if the dog's not sick, then you don't want to use antibiotics because what happens is the more we misuse antibiotics, the more likely we're going to get some what we call resistant organisms. And that it would be disastrous to have resistant bugs, because then we have an infection and need them, we're not going to have them, which then leads us to the next point. And that is what's going on with this chloramphenicol. So I have one case of all the respiratory cases I've seen, and because there, there was pretty severe pneumonia. So first of all, let's get a diagnosis. Let's see how sick is it. If it's just coughing, then treat it symptomatically. And if there's pneumonia, then we may need to use antibiotics. And since this was the, it was a pretty bad, moist infection, I started on chloramphenicol. I don't love it. There are some human health hazards. You should definitely wear gloves if you're going to have it administered. But it is, seems to be effective. I'm sure you saw the study about a case in New York where the dog was like on death's bed. They started chloramphenicol and we miraculously recovered. So was it because of the chloramphenicol? Was it because did they try other antibiotics first? There's a lot we don't know. So bottom line is be vigilant, kind of keep your pets away from these areas where there are a lot of pets. So that means dog parks. That means doggy daycare, boarding facilities, grooming facilities, et cetera. If you can, just until we know more a little little bit more about it, and make sure they are up to date on their other respiratory vaccines, because there's something called, and we heard about this, this term a lot during COVID, comorbidity. What does that mean? Comorbidity means that it by itself, okay? probably won't cause many symptoms or wouldn't be very severe. However, if the patient is already compromised because of another disease at the same time, so their immune system is already weakened, then that same bug, which otherwise would not have caused a major problem, now is causing a major problem. So we call that comorbidity, and we're seeing that as well. So anyway, got some questions here. So let's go backwards. And um, how do you deal with separation anxiety, all right, with uh, it looks like a Maltese- she too or she poo mix um so um separation anxiety is pretty much always uh, the same we make a lot of mistakes so sometimes the separation anxiety we're seeing is our fault and that is how we interact with our dogs even when we're not gone even when we're home how dependent are they on us have you taught them that you know it's okay to? i'm home but i'm not going to be with you every minute why don't you go here here's a toy why don't you play with this bone for a while or well, let me get to a game where the game itself provides the treats so it teaches them to interact not with you to get reward but with an inanimate, inanimate object to get the same reward so that's one thing second thing we uh when we're leaving our little pet alone especially if it's a new pet we're so upset as they are to be left alone so what do we do we coddle them before we leave we give them hugs We are oh, you we're gonna miss you so much kiss 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 right and then then you walk out the door <laughs> and they're okay wait a second what, what about me you're not taking me- what's going on here and then when you come back what do you do you miss them so much and obviously they miss you so you pick them up big hugs you just oh go in a joyous re you know reunion it's only been two hours or three hours or five hours, whatever it is so what's happening is they start longing for you they start missing you so some basic things are of course as we said get them to be happy on their own every time you're sitting on the couch they don't have to be on your lap give them something to enjoy every time you get up from the couch let's say you want to run to the kitchen you got to go to the bathroom whatever they don't have to come with you you make sure they stay all right that's number one number two when you leave don't make a big deal about leaving You just, what you want to do is get them their toy, their treat, have them in a different room. You should already have your coat and your purse or your, whatever you're taking with you, your book bag, your backpack outside in the car already. And you gradually kind of walk out of the house quietly. Don't make a big deal. When you come home, also don't make a big deal. You walk right by them as if that dog is not even there. And you totally ignore that dog until the excitement settles down with the same recommendation. When you have dogs that are what we call submissive urinators, they get so excited when they see you, they're squatting, and they're peeing all over the place. I mean, I had a friend's dog. Anybody can go to their house. Anybody can go to their house except me. When I would go over, she would pee right away all the time. It was crazy. She would go nuts when she saw me. So, you know, I was the only person. We tried everything. I tried to go in with the girl. As soon as she saw me, she ran, away, squatted, and peed. So, but dogs do that. So, again, you want to just wait till the excitement of your coming home is sort of worn down. And then you can offer, don't look at her, no eye contact, and offer her little, you know, little pet under the chin, right? A little something, good girl, good boy. And then slowly, gradually sort of re-establish that relationship. So these are some of the things to try. And of course, lastly, my last resort, drugs. I first would recommend things like my chill. It's a natural supplement with chamomile and valerian and passion flower and melatonin. It's great stuff. You can get online uh, just called chill because that's what we want them to do. We want them to chill. And then, of course, if it's worse than that, we there are some other drugs that you need to talk to your veterinarian about. But anyway, try those things first, and then we'll talk. Now, is it safe to walk your dogs now with this flu? Yes. Again, it's pretty much direct contact where the dogs have to breathe on each other it's not something that is floating that you know so I, I remember back in the covid days i see people walking in the street with nobody around them with a mask on it's like come on it's not that it's floating around it's going to get you it's not chasing after you so it's the same thing you can walk them if they, you know, interact with or they, you see other dogs that they may know, and they want to come and smooch and get that, you should try to avoid for now. Again, until we learn more, but again, make sure that your dogs are up to date on their bordetella and their parainfluenza vaccines. That's very important because again, we want to prevent some of that comorbidity. Let's see what we got. We have an 11-year-old corgi friend. There is a tremble with her. Uh, give me more. My wife of corgis finished. I'm sure you finished it somewhere. I'm going to go look. Spoke to you last week about it. Stella back from hematoma. They did surgery. She had a cone of mesh holding her ear together. Also, went got pentin and sepadoxia. Okay, that's great. As we discussed, there are a lot of different techniques for fixing the ear hematomas. I am a fan, by the way, of of having something done surgically. Trust me, my first attempt is always, always. Let me stick a needle in this thing. Let me drain it, and let's see. I mean, maybe, maybe a one percent chance that it won't come back it's going to come back. I mean, if you're an odds guy and you're you're betting, yes, it's going to come back. But I've had one or two or three in my practice career. It's only been almost 40 years that have not come back. But that's why, as I said, very low probability, but it does happen. You can get lucky. Uh, normally, it's going to be a surgery, number of surgeries out there. I started with the surgery I'm doing now is the one I'm I did 35 years ago. In between, I took some. I read some other things. There were some other new ones. New things came out. I, I said, that sounds good. Let's try it. It just didn't work the same for me. Putting in a little cannula, uh, allowing it to drain. Finally, it'll stop. Uh, there was one where they had these little buttons, almost looked like shirt buttons, that would go in from one ear or the other. You didn't have to make the slice in the ear. It did the same thing. It would actually eliminate all the dead space. But I found with that is that yes, the bleeding will ultimately stop. But as soon as you take them off, you've done nothing provide like a permanent scar to keep that space closed even after the sutures are removed. So I went back to the good old-fashioned way, and um, it's been working fine for me. And the pain meds, gabapentin, cefpidoxime, simple antibiotic, all that is good. All right. I got two of my SIBs, two of my three SIBs are here, which is nice. At least someone's listening to me. They never listened to me when, when I was at home. We were all living together. I was never heard. Now I, I'm saying something, and and they come and listen to me, which is great. So, you say my terrier dog has been vomiting for a day or two. That's a great, great question. Thank you so much. One of the most common things, and this is what I notice, as as I said, as you know, I'm I'm chief veterinary officer of Airvet. I co-founded it. My son Brandon runs it. We are the number one uh, telemedicine platform in the U.S. People love it; they really do. To have a veterinarian in your back pocket, access 24/7 care, and people say, "What do you? What kind? What kind of calls do you get?" And you know, I get obviously my dog ate a raisin or chocolate. Some fear of toxicity. I get the limping, an acute onset of limping, not an emergency. I get the vomiting and diarrhea. All right, and again, may or may not be emergency. But the reason I love these calls where it's on video because I've said this before: picture they say the the, the expression of pictures worth a thousand words, a live video is worth a hundred thousand words. So there is so much you can tell just by observing your dog. Yes. may be vomiting okay but how often what's coming up can he wait for his next meal is he drinking water i mean what is going on is he vomiting too much after he chows down a bunch of water ah well again that is a very important piece of history why because vomiting breeds vomiting once a dog starts vomiting picture like taking a, a wet rag a washcloth and wringing it out that's kind of what the inside of his stomach looks like having gone through vomiting now Anything that goes in that stomach and stretches that stomach wall, even something as benign as water, will make them vomit again. So the first thing I, I recommend, yes, obviously, they're not stupid. They're trying to reestablish some fluid balance from losing the fluid in the vomiting. But you got to be careful. They can't do it too fast. So I recommend usually taking an empty water bowl, depending on the size of the dog, anywhere from one to 10 ice cubes in the bowl. Let them slowly melt. And as the ice cubes are melting, they can walk up to the bowl and lap up some of the water. But it's unlikely they won't be able to take in too much at one time. So it's sort of like is pacing how much water you can give them, how much water they can drink without you needing to sit there with the pitcher and just dropping it in a little bit at a time. What comes up? What's their attitude? Again, it makes a big difference. So vomiting for a day or two, and I say, how long after a meal? Is there any way? Think about it, always get a good history. Is there anything you know your dogs best? What is the likelihood that he or she ate something that was not to be eaten? Whether it's something that had a toxic effect on the stomach, whether it was something that, like a rag or a sock or a ball or a piece of a chew toy, you know, you walk welcome. I had this cat that they saw it was chewing on a ribbon, and by the time they got to the cat to pull the ribbon out, it was gone, and they looked everywhere. That cat ate the ribbon. It was about twenty solid inches long. Now, if it had a something on a knot on the other, first of all, I always check under the tongue but if it was a knot something that would not make it past the stomach i'd worry because then it gets stuck there but the intestine is still trying to push it out and we get what's called an accordion effect and that can actually rip through the antimesenteric border of an intestine and cause a huge problem but there was nothing on this it was a flat piece of so really you know, we we saw at first we saw something in the stomach on x-ray some food was attached to it long story short 4 days later this cat would not eat felt like crap. They had to force feed it because you can't have a cat go more than more than three days without eating. And anyway, so, but I could see stuff with x-rays, follow-up x-rays. There was no evidence of placation. The ultrasounds were showing everything seemed to be working okay. And a lot of stool building up, but this cat wouldn't poop. So what do we do next? We do uh, enema and I'm going up digitally to try to grab this thing out. And what do I see in, in this little clump of poop? the ribbon (laughs) start pulling it out this and we got it all and the cat is 100 so anyway you know you want to make sure they're pooping on one end and i'm saying don't ignore it if it's two days i would at least have the dog evaluated your doctor can palpate the abdomen especially in a small dog it's easy to palpate the abdomen you can take an x-ray see what's going on an ultrasound and to see if there's a reason for the vomiting and of course if the dog is dehydrated, you want to obviously get some fluids, either subcutaneous or IV, again, depending on how bad and the size of the dog. Subcut fluids are pretty good, can work in small breeds. If the dog gets too big, subcut fluids aren't going to work that much. You got to go IV. And uh, lastly, anti-medic. Medications stop the vomiting, the amnesis, and see what happens. Anyway, it is time for a break. Uh, we have a lot of waving, and I see we have some questions coming back up. So why don't we take our break here for Pet Life Radio? And those of you who have not yet asked a question... Ah, there's a go. There's another question coming up, New York Yankee. I'll get to that in a minute. Talking about kidneys, love that. Uh, those of you who have questions, get the courage up. So, to ask them, we'll share it with everybody. Everybody wins when we get these questions answered. And um, we'll be right back after these short messages from Mark. Go ahead, take it away. We'll be back in a minute. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. We're back. We're back. We're just answering a question about, you know, we talked about Bordetella. How often should you get a Bordetella vaccine? Once a year, twice a year? What's the story? So quickly, with the Bordetella vaccine, it's the best one we got, but it's not a great vaccine. First of all, it's not really by definition, it's not a vaccine. It's a bacterin because we're giving it against a bacterial infection. Vaccines usually imply viruses, so it's a bacterin. And it's really good for, they say, about four months. So if you're only going to do it once a year, then you got eight months of non-protection, four months of being protected. Which four months? Well, you can do it during the time that maybe they, if you have a life cycle where they, they actually do spend more time during the spring or summer at these daycare facilities, you go to a dog park more often. All right, you have a little justification. But so my feeling is this, and I tell this to my clients, if you have a backyard dog like mine, because my dogs have their own pack, I no longer, because of their horrendous behavior, with other dogs to be mingling with other dogs unless they know know them i have friends neighbors that i take my dogs over they're great but strange dogs on the street strange off the dog park my dogs are embarrassing but they have so much fun together so i give them once a year Bordetella. if you are frequenting a place and a lot of them by the way these doggy daycares these pack you know walks um, a groomer many of them or boarding facilities are requiring Bordetella every six months so i would agree. That If there if the potential for an exposure is great, then you want to do it every six months. So that would be my recommendation. How long is too long to leave a dog alone? It really depends on the dog. You know, there are some dogs that are gone alone all day long. You go to work or school, whatever, in the morning, and you don't go back till five, six, seven o'clock. If the dogs are trained that way, as long as they get the attention and affection and, and good quality time with you when you're home don't overdo it, and you have a dog that doesn't have separation anxiety, we should (laughs) repeat that, then it's fine. I personally, if I had one such dog, and I knew that I was going to be gone for many hours during the day, I mean, 10 hours during the day, I would not have just one dog. I would have many dogs. And I find that my dogs, they sort of take care of themselves so much that sometimes they don't care when we're home. They're having a blast with each other. And that's fine too. You know, sometimes we have this uh, syndrome where where dogs bond with each other so much they don't bond with the parents, the human parents. So, could that happen? Yeah. I have yet to have that happen to me. You know, by making sure they get plenty of love and affection when you're with them, I have not that. They love us, but they love us more than they love each other, but they do love each other. All right. How much, though, should an older dog have? How do we take care of their kidneys? Thank you. So, it really depends. From a, a water intake, just a rule of thumb is 100 mils milliliters, okay, per kilogram body weight per day. So you can take that. You take 100 mils. Remember, 30 mils is an ounce, okay. Eight ounces is a cup. So 230, okay, times eight. So again, it's 30 mLs per ounce times eight ounces. 240 mLs is a cup. So say 250 to make it easy. So four cups, right, is a thousand, is a liter. And that's it. You just kind of go by that. If they're drinking much less than that, then you might see some changes on their blood work, indicating a bit dehydration. If they're drinking a lot more, then you have to look, why is my dog drinking so much water? Is it a urinary tract infection? Is it diabetes insipidus? Is it diabetes mellitus? Is it uh, Cushing's disease? There are certain diseases that dogs seem to drink more. So you have to check, check the kidney disease because uh, that is one of the things they might drink more water than normally. So as far as administering of fluids, it all depends on what the fluid loss is. There are charts that depending on what percent dehydration, all right, the size of the dog, the weight in pounds or kilograms will tell you what their maintenance is, what their twice maintenance is, what their three times maintenance is, all depends on their degree of dehydration whether is it 5% dehydration, 7% dehydrated, 10% dehydrated. So these are what we, you know, we determine. And so it goes a lot based on their weight and the percent, the degree of dehydration. Trembling and shaking is on her hind legs and butt. It's happening when she's excited and walking. Well, if it's exciting, you know, I've seen dogs that get so excited that their whole bodies are shaking even after the initial excitement has died down. I'm not saying again, would justify an exam. Yeah. There's some things that, when you have a sick animal or animal is doing something weird, there are two reasons to do a full exam. One is to rule in a problem, and the other one is to rule out a problem. And there's nothing wrong with doing a bunch of tests and getting them all perfect, negative results, no infection, no organ involvement, no disc. That just tells you you have nothing to worry about. When your doctor takes, does exams, does tests, and you find out everything is good, don't you breathe that sigh of relief? Right. That's exactly the same with dogs. That's what you should say. Don't tell. Oh my God! Why we wasted money on that test? No, you did waste money. You got answers, and the answer was a good one. But you still got an answer. So I am not rushing. If I can avoid testing, which I often do, by my thorough physical history, waiting it out, and you know I often say this that I will treat. You know, think about it. That and people think when I first say it, they go, Why? I will treat an animal differently on a Monday than I will on Friday. Why is that? Because if I'm very conservative in my approach, I don't like to start doing drugs and testing right away. If I can help it, I get my hunch from a full physical and a good history. That's going to give you most of your answers right there. So if I'm worried about something I want to see, but the dog's acting okay, and it's Monday, I still got Tuesday. I got Wednesday, right? I can see if if things are changing. I say, come back in. I don't charge for my recheck exam because of that. I, I don't want people to think, oh, yeah, you just want me to come back. No, my recheck is free. But the test that I held off on, on Monday, I may need to do by Wednesday. On Friday, well, I'm closed on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm not going to see that now I have to wait till Monday. That's three days. I don't want to risk it sometimes. So if I'm on the sitting on that fence, right? Should I take a test? Should I not? And it's Friday. I'm going to probably do the test on Friday. So give the owner and myself that peace of mind going into a weekend for sure, instead of just, you know, educated guests. I'm usually an educated guest kind of guy. So anyway. I know it sounds crazy, but that's just me. All right. Uh, well, who wants me? Uh, that's okay. I'm going to ignore that for a second. 11-year-old boxer started sitting sideways more often. Is this an indicator of hip issue? You know, a lot of dogs do that, and we take x-rays, and the hips are fine. I would still, yes, you want to rule it out, but I would say, I would say I would like a video of this dog walking and running. And that, to me, is going to tell me more than the x-ray. Why is that? Because I have dogs that are clinically doing great and i take an x-ray and see arthritis but it's not bothering them conversely i've had dogs that i take an x-ray and there's they look good yet the dog clinically is not doing well so the, the question is am i going to treat the x-ray or am i going to treat the dog so that's why for me along with the testing that's why i love the. air, i love video i love and i would say people to people all the time if there's any kind of questionable limp Next time this happens, what happens when they come in? When they come in, you got the adrenaline going, right? There's other dogs, they're getting excited, and all of a sudden they forget about their pain and they're not limping or they're not favoring that leg like they were at home. So it doesn't do me any good. So I say, you know what? Next time it happens, grab your phone, take a video. I want to see what you see at home, and then I can help make a decision as to what's the best thing to do next. So that's what I would say here. If it's only when there's she's sitting, but otherwise doing fine, i'm not worried would i say smart to take an x-ray absolutely 11 year old boxer should have an x-ray anyway if it was perfect at 11 years of age you want to rule out things like arthritis because there are natural things that we can do even if they're not very painful that can help them as they hit that 12 year old and hopefully 13 for a boxer that would be pretty cool all right let's go back to the corgi is more and more now ah, that's another great point in history it's progressive so when things are progressive then it becomes a little bit more concerning to me. When things happen suddenly, we call it an acute onset, then I'm thinking about maybe some sort of injury, an episode, something happened. But if it's a slow progressive disease, ah, now we're talking and looking for a number of things, whether it could be a cancer, whether it could be severe arthritis, whether it could be some joint degradation, something is going on. So yes, with the Corgi, I would start looking at the back, 100%. All right, I'm not so smart. I, I Maybe for lucky, it's smart, but thank you anyway. All right. So let's see what we got here. So the x rays, there's a thing. When the x rays are good and I can do it, with what we call tracheal sensitivity, I touch the, the neck and I can induce that dry, hacky cough. I'm thinking it's probably just kennel cough. And if we want, you know, I always say this once you start an antibiotic, the reason why we often get the resistance in proper use, once you start an antibiotic, even if you find out maybe we could have done without it, still complete at least a seven-day course, preferably 10, but seven days. In humans, it's usually five days. What we don't want is to start, wait two days, because this is what happened. If you have a bug, you truly do have a bug. And it's not a serious bug, but it's a bug. And now you stop antibiotics after three days. The course should be at least seven. So what happens? After three days, some of the, the weaker bacteria, the older bacteria, whatever, are gone. But you still have the stronger ones are still left. If you stop your drugs and don't go at least to the seven days, preferably 10 in dogs, then you have not killed all your bacteria. So which bacteria are left to breed and to multiply? The ones that were stronger. So that's how we create bugs that are laughing at the antibiotics. So even if there's no downside, when would I stop an antibiotic short if the dog wasn't doing well? If the antibiotic was causing severe vomiting, we know some dogs don't tolerate certain antibiotics well, and then I would switch to another antibiotic. You don't want to just stop an antibiotic. So um, my hunch is that if we did it, I'm thinking more of good old fashioned kennel cough. Let me tell you about CCL surgery. I'm an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon this Tuesday. Okay, CCL is a cranial cruciate ligament. It is the equivalent of the human ACL, which is anterior nomenclature. We call anterior cranial the same okay, caudal, posterior, the same. So ACL, CCL. So depending on many factors, age of the dog, size of the dog, there are two major accepted procedures nowadays. The one that by far, most orthopods are using is called the TPLO, tibial plateau leveling osteotomy. It is a great procedure and then what makes it so special is that where is the others like the lateral suture the extra capsular approach which still works in small dogs it is trying to recreate the ligament and the effect that the ligament has and the relationship the ligament maintains on the femur and the tibia okay so when you fix it you are removing there's some laxity in the joint and by putting in this extra capsular suture you are recreating that stability but it's just a suture, and it can break down. So for an older, not-so-active dogs, is it fine? It is probably fine. But what the TPLO does, and the reason why it's such a promising, great technique, especially for bigger dogs, is that it doesn't try to fix the ligament. There's no way to really fix that ligament. A dogs' muscles are too strong, which is how it broke in the first place. If the real ligament broke, how much more so is going to a recreation of a ligament with suture material or a fascial strip? which are some of the older techniques, they're going to break down. So what is the TPLO? TPLO, tibial plateau leveling osteotomy, actually eliminates the need for the ligament, period. So it changes the angulation of the joint, the tibial plateau, and basically you don't even need the ligament. And the dogs do great. So I would recommend if it's a big dog, especially the TPLO, you can be happy to uh, send me after the show to private message on Instagram to let me know who the surgeon is, where you live, et cetera. I will throw my two cents in. But uh, anyway, that's kind of uh, my feeling. TPLO is the way to go. That rhymes. TPLO, the way to go. All right. Let's see. Did I miss the flu? Yes, you missed the flu, Jill. We'll talk more about the flu updates. We talk. Uh, you'll we'll go from there. We'll do that after the show because my time is up. A lot of visitors. Love it. Love it. Love it. Keep going. Tell your friends about this show, guys. I promise you, it won't be wasted time. They will hopefully, you know, at least learn something. And I learn a lot from you guys because I get these questions that I didn't think are important. Then I see that oh my god, there are just so many of these questions. So it's all good stuff. And I'm already over time. Mark is giving me dirty looks already. Okay. No, yeah, if it's a year or two, Marno, we're going to probably want a, a more recent x ray, but actually give them both because that's perfect. When you have old x rays, we consider those the baseline. Two years ago, now we can see is there a cha- if there's a lot of change in the x ray, then clearly something is progressing. If the x rays look exactly the same, then I may not be as worried. So, hi, Nikki. How's Rufus doing? Send me a note. Do you recommend closing myself into a six year old? Um, all right, that's a good question, Igor. Yes. You know, if, if it's a large breed animal, And we know that there are, in the breed line or just the breed itself, there are issues. I look at it. I don't know if I have issues health-wise, but I've been taking antioxidants for 25 years, 30 years. So is that helping me not have issues? I have no idea. But do I want to stop? Heck no. So if you have a a large breed, especially dogs that are known to have joint issues, and you want to put them on glucosamine now, I am a fan. It's the same thing with probiotics. People say, no, only get probiotics. When you're in the midst of a problem but is it bad to maintain a good gut balance all the time so i'm one of those proponents that especially if your dog's had issues before and then they start they start again just keep them on on probiotics i think that's good all right real good so um we're i think we've hit everybody i hope i've hit everybody if there's any question that i did not get to please reach me you can reach me anytime you just go to worms underscore dbm And if you're not well, I would imagine you're following me if you're here, because otherwise you wouldn't have gotten the notice that I'm on. So anyway, so keep the uh, questions coming. If I didn't get to something, or you want to talk more about it privately, either reach me on my cell. Most of you probably have it anyway, or send me a note here on uh, Instagram for here on Pet Life Radio. I'm easy to get a hold of. Also, it's just Dr. Jeff. All right, at petliferadio.com, I will get those emails. I love helping people with your pet's problems. And I know, you know, veterinarians are so busy now. Honestly, they don't always have the time. It's not like they don't care. It's not like they're not interested. They are. It's just that it, they're inundated. So take advantage of me because I love doing it and I'll make the time. Anyway, so uh, either Dr. Jeff at PetLifeFavorite.com orbs underscore DVM. My cell phone, Dr. Jeff at Dr. Jeff.com, Jeff at AirVet.com I mean, come on. There's so many ways to get a hold of me. Makes it so easy. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. And next week i'm here so uh actually yes next week the week after that i may not make it i don't know i'll be in atlanta and i'm depending on when on my flight is because it's a three-hour time it'll be noon i may or may not make it in two weeks that is the 1450 on the 17th but otherwise i'll be here all right anyway have a good weekend please get a hold of me if you need anything else take care and enjoy your day if you're here in la because it's gorgeous today let's talk pets every week on demand